0: to the next installment of the SUAS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as always, let's say a warm hello and welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson.
1: Hello, Patrick. How are you, sir? Back from the frozen north and uh, enjoying the fact that the uh, Puxitani Pete was wrong because we have sunshine today.
0: I feel like sometimes I live with that guy., <laughs> uh, every day I get up, it's like a circus around here. <laughs> somebody uh,
1: snatching you up. Yeah <laughs> somebody snatching you up by the neck and showing you to a camera.:
0: It, it almost feels that way, but it's actually that's the, the groundhog day of ananity. You know, every day there seems to be like some story or some issue that comes up, and it's just like total disbelief. Um, and then, so you know, kind of leading into this shell, we're, we're folks. We don't have a uh, a uh, guest, so to speak. Um, we are just going to kind of chat about some of the stuff that's going on, and there's lots of stuff going on. So I don't want to get too far out there out there before we like start really like digging into the meat and potatoes here. But it has brought brought to my attention that maybe we should have a disclaimer. Uh, for this show, and I never really thought about that. But, you know, I'm going to throw that out here. And the disclaimer is as, is as follows. following topics covered are opinions and views expressed by people who have years of experience operating unmanned systems in the field. And you need to understand the technology, risks, and laws before emulating any of the following uh, subject matter at home. What do you think about that one,
1: Gene? Don't try this at home. We'll get educated first, because you know, I mean, it's kind of—I
0: um, do think about it. Uh, we we are carving, um, you know, chart new territory here, and how are people going to learn? But we'll get into that. All right, now first topic, and this is going to be like rapid fire because we're we're down on the 30-minute thing, and we got lots of topics. But the first okay. and foremost thing that I want to talk about, Gene, is I did see we got the new uh, episode of Drone TV has dropped, and it is the um, it is the prescribed burn, uh, the NIST burn, and I was hoping since you're in this, um, and may, you know you're in this episode, but I think you need to give uh, people a little background about NIST and what you're doing also, because. You know when I talk to people about Gene Robinson and they go, oh yeah, Gene, he's a, he's kind of that S A R guy, right? He's the S A R guy, and I go, hey man, Gene's not only the S A R guy, Gene's also the N I S T guy, and he's the N I M S guy, and you know he's a couple of other guys. So could you please uh, <laughs> talk about the episode, but then also give us a little, give us a little, you know, what the N I S T is doing, please.
1: Okay very quickly uh, what the National Institute of Standards and Technology is doing is they are trying to determine what sort of exposure your home would have if you are in the wildland urban interface for fire Uh, and that's kind of simply put there's a lot of science to it and as you know if if you look at the map of the United States there's some portion of the United States that's on fire at just about any time of the year and the the economic impact of that is just staggering. So what we're trying to do is we're using unmanned aircraft to fly over prescribed burns and we are actually trying to model how fire behaves. And I gotta tell you, this is some of the coolest stuff that, that I've done in a long time because it's really cutting edge science and yeah, I was I kinda had a, a, a first hand view of Sitting in the catbird seat there uh, in Bastrop, watching these fires burn as we were flying overhead, and uh, it took us 18 months of practice. We were out flying under our COA every six weeks, uh, flying the uh, the, the super bad aircraft uh, for you know days on end, fine tuning our cameras, our sensors, the imagers, everything that went on for 18 months and we went out to Bastrop and set up these prescribed burns in a very controlled fashion and uh, the numbers I heard is there was like uh, 25 scientists on the ground, uh, 75 firefighters and of course us and the UA team and all that and, and we flew over that while they burned these plots of Texas And by every measure, it was just a phenomenal success because all portions of this very finely tuned machine came together at once. And it was really gratifying to get out there, fly over these things, and have the chief scientist say, wow, we nailed it. And we collected more data than any of the previous attempts. To do this, so it was very exciting. Uh, uh, Maha picks was out there. Uh, we had uh, uh, some film crews out there from the BBC that uh, were filming it. It got quite a bit of coverage locally, and uh, very positive use of unmanned aircraft. And man, I got to tell you, it was it was a good good thing to be involved in.
0: It was. And this is, this is more of the good use thing that we're, we're doing, or you're doing, or we're all kind of trying to get out there to the community. And it's, you know, the, the wildland urban interface. We did do a show about this, and uh, we, we had Alex on, and we talked about this and, and what, what, it, what, what we're trying to do. And it's, again, these, these positive uses that touch people's lives. Um, you know, because I just did another article, and the guy was like, well, you know, this drone thing's coming on. And I'm like, "Now the drones are here, and drones are affecting your life. You may not know yes. it, but they, but they are. So uh, from the episode itself, I've, I've got to say, I saw the, um, let's say, the, the pre-final version. I've been a little busy. Uh, but I will say my hat's off uh, to Maha because I, I felt, you know, I've been at these type of, of exercises, not a NIST exercise, but, you know, one where you have different uh, entities and agencies come together and put something together. And, uh, you know, I felt like I was a participant. Like I was there. I got the brief. I got, uh, you know, Trimble was there, was also part of the family. Um how these scientists are setting this up and monitoring this thing, how all the parts and pieces and different sensors are coming into play. Uh, I really felt like I was there. And that's exactly kind of what it's like, except it's not hot and smoky. And uh, you don't have to use the porta potty. What do you think?
1: Yeah, well, I was a little nervous. uh, The test plot was only about, uh, oh, I don't know, 20 meters away from the the UA trailer where we were sitting, and the the firefighters assured us that we didn't have anything to worry about. But I got to tell you, it was interesting to see the fire that close. Oh,
0: yeah, fire, and, you know, uh, when you're around fire, fire has a way of getting out of control (laughs) really quick.
1: Uh, That's a fact. and that was in the back of my mind the entire time while I'm standing there watching this fire approach the trailer. So it was it was kind of uh, disconcerting, but uh, it was nice knowing there was a line of firemen there that would tell me to run if I had to.
0: <laughs> See, it's nice to have friends. With fire hoses, I guess, is the moral of that story. Uh, so, um, me, you know, I, I know every time you go out on one of these things, and, you know, it's kind of funny as people are like, oh, well, you know, there are waves. You know, I, this one, I slap my forehead and it's more groundhog, Puxitani Phil stuff. Oh, well, if you're using it, you know, for a federal agency and, uh, you know, a public entity, uh, you know, you can get a call or, you know, there's no problems flying. But every time you come back, uh, we hear that there's some kind of shenanigans with the FAA. How'd this deal go down?
1: Uh, hey, yeah, that was pretty interesting. We'd, uh, we had done that last year uh we had flown and didn't have any problems flying out there because we had uh, called for a temporary flight restriction or actually we didn't the texas forestry service did and uh we went out there under the same premise and uh, the texas forestry service called for the 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 tfr and uh of course you know i guess my name is associated with the thing and somebody (laughs) up in the the hallowed halls up there went whoa whoa, wait a minute what is he doing out there and what are they going to be doing and uh the next thing we know, we we were halted, you know, for the morning of, and uh, with much wrangling and uh, cajoling, we managed to get our, our COA extended to that area. Uh, so they were very helpful. They did they did help us out and get the COA extended. We did we did call for the TFR as we always do. You know, we want to try to keep things as safe as possible. And uh, I, I will have to say, even though, and this this is to. You know, the credit of the FAA wanting to keep everything safe, our COA our, 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 our TFR, temporary flight restriction, was busted four times in the hmm. course of one day.
0: And let me guess so, Yeah. Uh, it wasn't by a UA.
1: Uh, no, no. Hmm. The, the Gulf hmm. Stream was really close, but... Hmm. Uh, Hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of interesting. That, and and we noted that. Uh, we let them know that uh, it, it was and of course they're going to look right into it, but um you know, and, and that's one of the things that's one of the things that uh quit making me laugh. Uh that's one of the things that um you know, I I really think is uh, important is to have the observers out and to make sure that you see any aircraft that come in or that are non-cooperative are pilots who can't read NOTAMs, so you have to be very vigilant of them.
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to be charitable. (laughs) And I'm going to let that one go. (laughs) Because I see that one, you know, that is kind of funny. All right, I'm going to let it go. Anyway, um, I wanted to give a shout-out to the episode sponsor, which was MLB, that makes the Superbat. Um, yep. good guy, Steve Morris. He's actually been a guest on the show and that is www.spyplanes.com, uh, dot spyplanes. Dot com, spy planes. And before anybody gets like, goes off the rails, oh my God, spy plane, you know, I think Steve's had that, uh, website address for about 10 years and it was kind of tongue in cheek. Um, you because know, the MLB company had a hard time getting the uh, website address because there's another big entity that uh, yeah. uses the same initials. So it's hard to get anything in that, uh, in that range. But anyway, good guys. Steve's a good guy. Makes some good products. You guys are flying them down there. Yep. It's, it's a great yep. time, and, and they do work well.
1: Yep. So Superbat has been doing a fine job for us on these fires. I can't, uh, I can't say enough about them. They've done really, really, really well.
0: Well, then I would say get out and buy, you know, everybody that's listening should get on that website and buy three. That's my <laughs> endorsement. And then give me one because I don't have any money to buy one. <laughs> yeah, a little self-preservation in there at the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, good guy. Uh, was also a sponsor last year at the or SUSB Expo. And uh, that's kind of the next topic I wanted to move into is the Expo update. Um Lots going on there. We're working like mad dogs on that one, um, trying to get uh, it all lined up. There's lots of uh, T's to cross and I's to dot and all the rest of that. But already, it's, uh, people are really excited. Got people coming from China. I got people coming from Europe. Um, you're going to hear from people in Europe who actually can get this one, Gene. They can operate commercially and make money. How about that?
1: No way. No, they uh, must be from the UK.
0: Well, they're they're from a di- different countries in uh in Europe, but you know, um one one company is doing uh oil rig platform surveys in the North Sea. And wow. uh they're, yeah, they're making a killing on that one because you don't have to shut the rig down to to survey the 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 burn stacks and like that. So hey, the oil company's saving, you know, a mill and a half, and uh, the drone guy's making a little bit of money, you know. It's called business. So we're going to hear how business works. It's going to be excellent. <laughs> You're going to be like, drone, money, what? How, how does this work? Going to see how that works. I, I did invite, I invited both Jim Williams and Peggy Gilligan to come out and speak. I have not heard back. I have a feeling there's going to be budget constraints and we won't be able to tell. or uh, San Francisco will just not be on the list. I have a feeling just saying, don't know for sure. We'll see. It'd be nice. I think they need to do a better job of getting out and uh, telling, uh, you know, the general public uh, kind of what's going on with them. But uh, I don't know. What do you think?
1: If I were a betting man, I would, now I'm not even going to bet. I, I'm, I'm going to be charitable.
0: Okay. Well, you know, I mean, I, I have talked to people at the FAA, and they go, oh, you know, we put everything in the public or the Federal Register. And my, I have to say, my quote on that is, if if the people were reading the Federal Register, I doubt this country would be in the shape that it's in. So, I don't think anybody's reading that.
1: I get up Person. every morning and read it. I can't. Just like the Wall Street Journal, don't you? Ah, uh, I can't believe you don't read it. Okay, I'll have to fill you in.
0: Well, you know, the paper boy—he—he he hasn't been able to porch the the Federal Register, I guess, for the last—I don't know <laughs> how many years, because I don't see it out there. But uh, yeah, no, not too many folks reading that. I don't read it every morning. I've got you know other fires I got to put out, but. Anyway, they have been invited, and it is an opportunity for them to come out and speak to their constituents and say, hey, here's what we're doing. Uh, I've also had other people say, well, you know, oh, you know, the, uh, the FAA has to do this rulemaking, and they kind of have to sequester themselves, and there's this and that, and take it from the public. I say hogwash. I want to see the code section in Title V of the US, uh, USC, United States Code, where it says that rulemaking has to be done in private. I'm not buying it. Um, I, I asked them to produce that when I was on the arc. Could not
1: produce that.
0: You know, so I'm not buying that horse manure. Again, weapons grade uh, it's implied. I don't know who's implying it. They work for the public, and the laws are, you know, supposedly representative government. But I don't want to get into that because people, you know, people, it gets kind of sticky, and I'm not an attorney, and I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn, yada, yada. So let's just move on to the good news. Good news is, the good news is for the SUSB Expo is we have a sponsor for the search and rescue workshop that uh, Gene Robinson will be uh, hosting. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm really excited about that. I wanted you know, people were saying, oh, well, you know, you could, we could charge and, you know, da, 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 and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, and I thought, yeah, okay, you know, definitely there's value and we could charge per seat. But I started to, you know, I took one step back and I thought about it and it's like, I didn't, I don't want, you know, we're going to try and do an AP workshop too. But what I don't want is I don't want people to think, oh, you know, be worried in the back of their mind that this thing has got to be financially, you know, viable. So I wanted to find sponsors where I could just say, you talk, you sponsor or uh, host of the workshop, just talk about what you believe is important. Don't worry about anything else. The costs are covered. And uh, I think that that has the most value in in genuine transfer of knowledge. So maybe you could tell us a little bit of, of what you plan on talking about in this workshop.
1: Well, well. First off, I think you should uh, make mention of who our most generous sponsor is. Uh,
0: I should do that. It is uh, the IPS Next Gen. Um, they were sponsors last year, and uh, I, I think uh, people need to get out there and, um, you know, when you come to the come to it, you will you will see it. They have the IC for u uh truck they were the people that are Clarence was out front last year. He had his Rubicon card he had his multi rotor he yep. has a spectrum yes, and they have the i c four u truck which has got uh, all sorts of uh he's got satellite uplink he's got u h f he's got cell phone. He, he's he got everything in there. You could, that vehicle is like for disaster relief and and comms or situation, uh, it was a fire or earthquake or whatever. You could, you could set that you truck run up.
1: just about anything. Exactly. And have comms everywhere.
0: So it's something you should check out. And, um, I don't have the website at the top of my hand, but I'm going to get it right before we, uh, we get off the air. So maybe you could talk about a little bit of what you're going to do with the workshop.
1: Yeah, you know, and and there's been a lot of people even from last year that have asked me, and of course the book is is going, and and I think it's very interesting. I wanted to mention that the North Texas Drone Users Group here just uh, Saturday a week ago had a fun fly-in that had a SAR theme to it, and they were trying to push the technology a little bit further. They had 45 people show up. They had... Seven of the nine registered teams competed. They had four multirotors and three fixed wings. Uh, an octocopter won by a very narrow margin. Uh, hmm. They had placed 22 objects in a field that was 55 acres, roughly 55 acres of varied terrain. And the most that they ever found was 11. So I think everybody got a pretty good idea that you know, not only you know, do you have to show up and you have to fly, but there's some other things that go on that help you find the objects that are in there. And that's some of the things that we're going to be talking about in this workshop. When you get out there, can you stay out there? Can you fly out there effectively? Can you use the data that you get? Because one of the things that they found is that they got more data in that Waxahachie field than they could process in a short period of time. Right. And that's another thing that we're going to be discussing. How, How do you deal with all the data that you collect from your unmanned aircraft? I mean, it's such a big deal. We take it for granted because we go out there and we do it and we look at these pictures. But when you have two, three, 400 images, the instrument command will look at you like you've got a horn sticking out of the top of your head when you walk in with that many images. It's going to be, you know, show me the money. Where is it? What have you got? And you need to be able to do that. And that's some of the things that we're going to cover in the workshop. Bandwidth, uh, uh, what sort of cameras to use, uh, what to, softwares you can use, what software is on the horizon. got some really exciting things on image analysis that are coming up that are uh, freeware, by the way. Uh, so we're going to cover up soup to nuts on this thing. And I think it's something that there's a lot of folks out there that really want to know because they would like to give back to the community in a positive way using their unmanned aircraft.
0: I concur with that. So you know, <clears throat> we're going to have to have a sign-up sheet for that. Um, but you know, if you you pay to get in, you get to go to the SAR uh, workshop. You'll get to go to the AP workshop. This is going to be good stuff, man. Don't miss it. So I got the uh, I've got the website address. It's www dot i p s n e x g e n dot com go over there and check them out uh they were gracious enough to uh to uh sponsor the solar workshop my hats off to clarence and and dave out there thanks again on that one so keep yep, your clarence
1: eyes is a good guy yep. yeah he
0: is a good guy i like him i want to do more stuff with him he's uh he's a good old boy so I got to move on to the next one because you know we are we're already we're at about seven minutes out before uh, we're wheels up on this deal instead of wheels up. Go off. go
1: go!
0: Okay, the NASA UTM. Okay, that was the um, unmanned traffic ma- meeting uh, at NASA Ames, and I want to run through this real quick. Who was there? We had the, the old guard was there. Uh, Ted Wears-Banowski was there. He was a presenter at the show. Paul McDuffie, myself, and uh, Andy Latcher from MITRE, who might also speak about at the show, at the expo, about flying in unnavigable airspace. And again, the, the expo is about finding ways to make money or use this technology in positive ways. So we're going to try and get him on. So anyway, um, the subject matter there, there was soup to nuts. It's a lot of stuff that we've heard. Uh, Over the years, kind of some of the same stuff, Uh, you know, people are thinking about tests and uses and things that this stuff has already been hashed. I was a little disappointed at that. Um, I will say that at the table that I was sitting at, it was me, uh, Ted, and Paul sitting there, and the, the conversation really centered around the center of the table with us and what was going on, and even people that are names that you hear all the time, companies or whatever, people don't have the definitions correct, people don't really understand even what they're doing, uh, and I will say, uh, one thing that I am noticing is there is a, a large gulf between, you know, it used to be all DOD people and aircraft manufacturers, your Boeing's, your Northrop Grumman's, you know, uh, those people, uh, and no commercial people. Well, Amazon was there. And the, the the two ways that people are looking at this equation is black and white. Amazon, you know, we want thousands of these things, and we want to fly them around and yada, yada. Um, more on the DOD side, oh, we got to figure out some kind of demonstration we can do and take it, like, to some agricultural show. Take it to a, the HAI show. Take it to, you know, some... Which is not a bad idea. I'm not, I'm not going to knock the ideas. It's bad, but when you when you look at that that kind of DoD style of oh well we'll take it to one group you know that is going to take forever. Okay, it's going to take years and years to do it. Amazon did more for for drones than anybody else has done in the last ten years. I mean. Uh, i I was talking to Gus earlier this morning, and he was telling me that even uh, people in his neighborhood and people he talks to think that Amazon's actually delivering with drones. I've run into that myself yeah. people people yeah. already believe that that uh, amazon's delivering and there's no, there's no belly aching. I don't hear anyone belly aching about Amazon using drones i've I heard a few uh voices in the wilderness uh when it first happened, you know um but by and large, most people are like, I'm cool with that. Send me my DVDs, please.
1: So, I was just about to say, I wonder how many people actually ordered a CD hoping it would be delivered by our drone.
0: And that you'd get to keep the drone. So, you know, <laughs> free drone. with. And then, you know, the the other thing is they gave a statistic, and I, I didn't really catch it right because I was a little disgusted. But something about, you know, it was either – You know, they're shipping 1,500 drones a month, or it might have been more. But that's through Amazon, selling drones. I mean, the drone thing is is just, they're here, so just accept it. Um, Yep. The other thing I want to talk about is one thing that I, this was another Shatani Phil forehead slapper, uh, leaving the NASA meeting, you know, and it was put out that, you know, the FAA needs data, and you know what's coming. But they, they still haven't figured out what data they need. And I almost I almost came unglued at that point. I mean, I just was like, are you kidding me? This, it's 10 years we've been hearing, we need data, but we don't know what we need.
1: I, as I recall, that was one of the first meetings uh, that we went to in, after Reno in Dallas, that that's exactly what they told us.
0: They've been telling us that we since want we've data. Been talking to
1: them. Yeah, and that, that was literally 10 years ago.
0: Exactly. But they still don't know what they need. I, almost, I wanted to throw up. I was so disgusted. And then people are like, oh, geez, that guy was kind of a hothead. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, they just don't get it, you know. Uh, I <laughs> think, you know, a lot of the old NASA guard was not there. That was a mistake. Uh, because... You know, I was trying to tell people there, you know, there are new, a lot of newcomers, and, and they're like, well, you know, we have to do these tests, and we have to talk to the FAA about equivalent level of safety, you know? Okay, that sounds mm. great. But we can't go shotgun style and figure and do all these tests. It's going to cost too much money, and it'll take too much time. I, I said, you know, when you're talking about an equivalent level of safety, does anybody here even know what that means? And, you know, I kind of, ours are kind of going around the room. I'm like, we're talking 10 to the minus 5, 6, 9. Does anybody know what that means? And uh, they kind of look around and go, no. And I said, well, what it means is, because when I was on the arc, we had a guy calc this out. And basically, what it means is I would have to fly the cracker barrel for 200 years without any interruption and no failures. What do you, you know? I told him I'm taking vitamins, I'm drinking carrot juice, man, but I don't think I'm going to make it.
1: Material not is happen. not your middle name.
0: No, you know, uh, I just don't think that's going to happen. So, a lot of people don't uh, understand what's going on uh, with that. So, I'm a little frustrated. You know, I looked at the other guys that were there; they're frustrated, very frustrated too. That this is kind of the same talk. I'm uh, talking about the lobbying efforts. People are talking about that and how come it didn't work. And then I'll tell you straight away why the lobbying efforts have not worked. Because what they are is the lobbying efforts are the DOD business plan being pushed to, to Congress and to FAA. Even people that are in the DOD sector are understand now, and like I've been saying for the last seven years, that that will not work. Even they're admitting, yes, this will not work. The other thing. I was pushing at the meeting is is that this community has got to get away from the extrajudicial killing machine, the predator and the reaper. We really need to tell them, here's your money back. We can't play with you. There's just no way you are ever going to, you're going to cover the stink of uh, killing kids. Just no way. There's there's no way you can do You can get around it. So we can't even play with them. The other, the other thing is the test site takeaway. I did talk to, um, you know, there was s- several test site people were there, uh, and they said, well, you know, we're here. We got this test site, small business. You could come on out and fly. And I asked, okay, well, you know, what's it going to cost and what do I get? And nobody is really solid on that yet. Uh, the FAA isn't really solid on what they want the test sites to do. And it looks to me like September of 2015 is just slipping away as we sit here and watch. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing. So there's there's the good news from that meeting, and we're running long. But the next uh, next next thing I want to talk about is I I, I wrote an article and I'm supporting um, I think it's AB 1327. Uh, again, I'm not on the page, but. Uh, It's uh, for the uh, use of drones in California and uh, by basically public entities and I've had people beat me up on this. Yes, it's AB 1327 and they've been beating me up because it says that the police should get warrants if it constitutes a search. I believe that uh, that's okay. Uh, The public really doesn't trust the police uh, with with this technology and I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And if they need training wheels, so be it until they can have a track record that they can use this uh, technology responsibly. I think that the, one of the first uh, times that the privacy issue raised its ugly head or reared its ugly head was in Houston in January of 2010. You remember that, Gene? Gene?
1: I remember it very well since it was in my backyard with uh, the Scan Eagle flying and the media being held at arm's length and uh, claims of temporary flight restrictions that weren't there, and, yeah, it was a debacle. Uh,
0: That's a very appropriate uh, description, debacle. I mean, I don't think that you could have, by design, come up with something that would, uh, would, would give people more trepidation than that. I mean, you know, if you were like, I'm going to sit out, what can I really do? Oh, I mean, I could think of one other way you could have really, you know, send them uh, into a tailspin. But um, look, you know, I don't understand what it is, and, and you know, it goes back to this: people that work for the public get a paycheck from the public, um, you know, want to spend public funds on equipment tactics or whatever that they're going to use on the public and they want to sequester themselves and talk about this in private. I have never heard a notion so inane in my entire life. Do you think I'm wrong on that, Gene?
1: I know. This whole lack of transparency in just about all facets of the government has become very disconcerting over the years and I, you know, I'm, pretty easy going when it comes to that, but this is getting blatant. It, it, it's, you know, uh, yeah,
0: it, uh, it, it, uh, it makes me want to blow my stack. I, I just don't even get it. How can you, how could you work for the public and not want to bring the public into conversation? And I'm going to state it again here, and I said this before this stuff started to happen, that if the police want to use this technology, don't use DOD systems, get away, just say no to air superiority gray aircraft, Use systems made by small uh, firms that make them. Don't talk about weaponizing them. Bring the communities that you serve into the conversation. Uh, you know, Bring them to the meeting. Show them what you want to buy. Show them how you want to use this. Show them how it works. Sit down and say, hey, this is what we want to do, and we want to hear feedback from the community. We want everyone to feel comfortable about it. It's that easy, this is, you know, they, they hire these consultants and, and focus groups and all the rest of these people. And then all I can say is it must be related because they give them bad info. I, you know,
1: yeah,
0: I, I don't even get it. It's that simple. I don't even get it. I've well, told you know, them before. Patrick, go ahead.
1: I, I think you kind of proved your point when I was surprised that you did it, but you actually went to that group, that anti-drone group in Berkeley you know, the most liberal bastion in the United States, which nothing against that. But, I mean, they were the ones that were, you know, ready to stand up with the signs and start chanting, no drones, no drones. And you went into the lion's den and you got to talking to them and said, you know, hey, this is what we want to do. And there was a lot of folks that went, oh, hey, that makes sense.
0: So you kind
1: of got a little bit of a track record about going in there and explaining it to them and having it work.
0: Well, and, and I don't think, you know, I don't think, like, I'm I'm Daniel or anything going into the lion's den here. But, I mean, you know, I, I could go there. You could talk to them. And if you talk to them like people and you don't canned goods, just forget about it. Just forget about the canned goods, the talking points. These are the very talking points, and I'm going to roll in here. They will make mincemeat out of you because you're not being genuine. You go in there, you yeah. say, hey. I think a lot of people are under the the misconception that people that are pro-drone are, like, you know, anti-Constitution. Whoa. I'm all about the Constitution. So um, I think we can have both, and we can have responsible drone use, and I think that that's going to be okay. So the main thing, my main push for AB-1327, got to make sure that's it, yep, is Section D, Part 1. A public agency other than a law enforcement agency may use an unmanned aircraft or contract contract for the use of an unmanned aircraft system to achieve the core mission of the agency, provided that the purpose is unrelated to the gathering of criminal intelligence. Fish and game, uh, water resources, Department of Agriculture, forestry, forest firefighting, Uh,
1: rescue. Yeah, on and on and on.
0: Yeah, so, you know, when when we hear people go,
1: oh,
0: and they're hemming and hawing, this is what I care about. Because this is where the money is for you, me, and other people that want to be in this industry. That is where the money is. Not spying on your neighbors, you know. Not any of this other stuff that these people are worried about. This is, I want to, you know, want to do some science, man. I want to, you know, uh, save some fish. I want to, you know. That's drought thing. But anyway, that's where I'm at. I hope that clarifies it for people because, uh, you know, I had uh, arguments with AUBSI about it. I don't really care. They're going to fight me on it. They can go nuts and do whatever they want to do. I'm not going to. I'm not ramming this stuff down anybody's throat, you know. I think we need to be responsible. But anyway, that's about all I had for this week, Gene. You got anything else in closing, sir? <laughs>
1: Uh, in closing, it would take too long, but uh, yeah, there's plenty out there, and we got to we're going to talk about a lot more in the future, I think. But uh, looking forward to the expo, and uh, looking forward to doing a lot more flying.
0: I hear that. I am really looking forward to the expo. I, I don't think that I will be able to uh, sit in on your workshop, which is kind of being a guy that kind of is is running the show on that deal. It stinks because I got so many jobs to do that I can't listen to the presentations or hear what people have to say. But you know, I don't want to bleed on you about that. Anyway, thanks for thanks for being on this week and uh, thanks for everything that you do, Gene. And I can't. Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you here in May, and um, we'll talk soon.
1: Take care and keep stick back.
0: <laughs> All right, talk to you soon.